to everyone listening. Uh, my name is Chris. I'm Pastor Keith's intern. And today our lesson is coming from Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're going to look at verses uh, 39 through 53, reading from the New American Standard. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. When he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. When he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping from sorrow, and said to them, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, behold, a crowd came, and the one called Judas, one of the twelve, was preceding them, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come against him, Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple... You did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. This week, our lesson introduces us to Jesus as a willing servant of the Father. By the time we get to this place in our, in our text, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus has already been in the upper room with his disciples, breaking bread with them for the last time. As he knows this, uh, that his time has come to an end, he shares that with them. He breaks bread with them. He sits and has a meal with them. Then Jesus now is headed into Gethsemane, uh, which in this gospel in Luke is not named. It, they just said that Jesus, Luke says, Jesus went out into the Mount of Olives. But in the other gospels where the story is recorded, it is uh, shown and said that Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus here will display for us willingness and submission to the Father like no other person has ever done. While Jesus was fully divine, never forget the fact that he was fully human. And in being human, he felt the normal emotions that we as humans feel. I think this is what the author of Hebrews was getting at when he referenced Jesus as a great high priest who can sympathize with us in our weakness. Jesus felt every emotion we feel. Jesus experienced pain in the same ways we experience pain. Jesus prayed hard to the Father in the same way that we pray deep and intensely to the Father. Jesus being human means that he knows exactly how we feel. Jesus in this text will show us what it looks like to be willing and dedicated to God the Father, to his redemptive plan, even when it came at the cost of pain for him. In verse 40, Jesus instructs the disciples to pray. This is likely a reference to what Jesus said in Luke 22, verses 28 through 38 when he feared that the disciples would reject him in the future. And to safeguard them against doing this, 
Jesus calls them to pray to God to help them withstand uh, this temptation in the future. The only way we can fight against temptation and drifting is by praying and drawing near to God. No spiritual battle we face can we can be fought in our own strength and our own ability. We can't expect to fight our own battles and expect to win. In every situation we face, the Lord carries us to victory, not ourselves. Jesus is teaching the disciples here that as times will get harder for followers of Christ in the future, the devil will try to steal them away from following Christ, however he can accomplish that. And in order to avoid that, they need to pray more earnestly to protect themselves. Jesus then goes on in verses 41 and 42 to pray for himself. Look at what is said here. He withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Look at the posture of Jesus' prayer. He does not stand up to pray, uh, nor does he sit down on his butt, but he actually kneels. He gets on his knees before the Father to pray to him. The posture of his prayer points us to his humility. In the garden, Jesus earnestly sought the Father. Knowing that death was coming, Jesus' prayers, his prayer reflects it. And while this looks to be a request that Jesus is making, it is better understood as Jesus asking the Father for his sovereignty, his will to be carried out. And asking his Father to remove the cup, he is most likely referencing the wrath that is to come. Yet, in asking that, he is really saying to the Father, If it is your will for me to suffer, then carry on. Even in a situation that was going to be excruciating for him, Jesus was still willing to go on with it for the glory of God. Jesus is our example of how to re remain submissive even in the most detrimental situations. The Christian life is about doing the will of God, and that is still the case when the worst of the worst has come upon us. Even in what you face in your life, remain faithful and submissive to the plan of God. If you remain steadfast in God's will, He will be faithful to you. Jesus says in the prayer, Not my will, but yours be done. Some of the most needed words in our prayers are, Lord, let your will be done. But uh, for some of us, for many of us as normal people, these are some of the hardest words to say. But what Jesus teaches us here is that the Father's will can always be trusted. God the Father is not out to see us lose. He's always trying to carry us to victory. But how that will look, how that will play out, will not look good sometimes. But in the end, if you're in Christ, He is looking out for you always. We see in verses 43 and 44 that in Jesus' moment of deep prayer, He was granted strength. Now, an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. The father answered the son's prayer with strength that will carry him over to do the work that the father has sent Jesus to do. Jesus being in agony shows that he was in great fear and anxiety, and this darkness, is, uh, these bad feelings that come upon him in that moment. This is something we all can identify with in some way or another. 
Because deep fear and anxiety will lead us to pray in a manner of depth and openness that we otherwise wouldn't pray. It's the type of prayer where we lay our concerns before the Lord and ask Him for His help. There's an intensity to these prayers uh, for one who's in anguish, and it shows here in Jesus' prayer. We are given a description of the depth of Jesus' emotions in verse 44. His sweat was so heavy, it was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus was so down and worried that it showed in his physical appearance. Jesus then goes back to his disciples after he finished praying and finds them sleep from sorrow. The disciples were so sad and anxious, fearing what was to come, that they had gone to sleep. These men are feeling the same emotions as their leader. Jesus asking them why they were asleep made him wonder if they were falling into temptation. But as Luke describes, they have not given in yet. Jesus calls them back to prayer because he wanted them to see that they must depend on God throughout this experience. In the same way that Jesus will be carried over and given strength is the same way that they will be carried over and given strength throughout their ministries. We will only make it by the power of God, and that is why we must pray, to ask the Lord to strengthen us, to carry us over, that his will be carried out. Jesus exemplified an honesty and sincerity in his prayers that I think we often miss. Jesus really wanted to do the will of the Father, but did not hide his weariness and anxiety. These are emotions and feelings that we also have. And when we experience them, do like Jesus. Be honest and open in your prayers and ask the Father that His will be done despite your feelings. I think too often we want to manipulate the will of God like, like we have the ability to actually do that. We want to, use, we want to find the easy way to victory the route that excludes pain and setback and difficulties. But we must come to accept that we are not in control of our lives, and in the Lord's sovereignty, His will will be accomplished however and whenever He wants to do it. So going on in in this final paragraph of the lesson, we see Judas come onto the scene. And while Jesus was still speaking speaking to His crowd, the disciples, verse 47 tells us, that Judas, who was one of the twelve, came towards them, and he approached Jesus to kiss him. When Judas pulls up, he is not alone. He's coming with the chief priests and the temple officers and some elders. They are coming to arrest Jesus. What's interesting about this is that Judas knew exactly where to find Jesus. He knew where Jesus prayed. He knew that Jesus went out at nighttime, uh, and it's shown before that he went out in the nighttime. And it's also interesting to show that betrayal can often come from the inside. That's the people you trust that can hurt you. Judas was one of the original 12. He was in the upper room, and he betrayed his leader, the Savior. In verse 48, Jesus questions him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? What's interesting here is we never know, Luke never tells us if if Jesus actually allows Judas to kiss him. But I think what's important here is that Jesus recognized that Judas was going to be the one who inaugurated the pain and suffering that was to come. So here going on, verse 49 uh, through 51, there's something going on here. 
When those who were around him saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the slave of the high priest and cut his right ear off. But Jesus answered and said, Stop, no more of this. And he touched his ear and healed him. What's really going on here, very simply, is that the disciples are ready to fight for Jesus. They're, they're ready to go to battle to stop Judas and, and his company from coming to Jesus to take him away. And what we see here is a disciple, he goes to cut off the ear of one of the servants of, of the people in Judas's crowd, one of the servants of the high priest. And Jesus says, stop. This doesn't need to happen. No more of this. In verse 51, we see Jesus is really showing, saying to us that he has to suffer. So he tells his disciples not to fight for that reason, because all of this must happen. Judas has to betray Jesus. They have to arrest Jesus. Jesus has to die. And knowing the path that is before him, Jesus says, let them do this. So in verses 52 and 53, we see Jesus talking to the officers and the chief priests. Jesus said to them, the chief priests and the officers of the temples of the temple and elders who had come against him, have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber? While I was with you daily in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this hour and the power of darkness are yours. I think what Jesus is getting at here is simply, you know who I am, you know who I claim to be, and you're treating me like I'm some type of criminal. Many years now Jesus has been in the temple, preaching and being amongst them, telling them that he is a fulfillment of everything that they study in the temple. He's not a bad guy. He had a ministry of healing people and, and giving public sermons and doing great works. And Jesus is saying, you're treating me like I'm some type of bad person. You had all these other opportunities to, to arrest me, and you choose to do it on these terms and in this place. But Jesus at the end says, basically, that the time is yours. The darkness has come about, and you, you're going to do this now. You have to do this now. And ultimately, what I think this gets at with Jesus is that darkness is not eternal. That while they have their moment, while the devil is active now, he won't always be. That there will come a day where darkness will be no more. And that's something that's not only true of this lesson that we're studying, but true of the Christian life, that we live in a dark world. And the darkness that is in front of us that leads so much suffering and, and pain and disappointment and setbacks, it is not eternal. And as we continue reading through the New Testament, we see Paul will tell us that the things we face now is not worthy to be compared to the things that are coming in the future for those who are in Christ Jesus. And for those of us who are Christians, there are always hope. And for Jesus being the Son of God, there was hope for him. God the Father had a plan that would outlast any darkness, any suffering that Jesus faced. And I think in our Christian lives today, Jesus, God the Father is saying the same thing. He's saying that the suffering we face now is not eternal. That there will come a day where darkness will be no more in our lives, and we must hold on to the hope we have in Jesus Christ until that day when, when darkness goes away. This lesson orients us towards a willing Savior who 
shows us that even in the face of oppression and, and uh, pain, we must remain willing and faithful servants of God the Father. That's our task all our lives, to be willing. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we face, we must always stay willing and follow the plan of God. Because God's will is perfect. His plans are perfect. He is sovereign. And for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, He has a great plan for us. It might not look like it all the time, but if we hold on to our hope and hold hold fast to the promises of Jesus Christ, we will see that the Lord's plan is perfect. And it will become perfect in our lives. And it might not be on this side, but ultimately when we get to heaven, we will see that everything we face here will be worth it. Let's pray. God, our Father, we are thankful to you that you are perfect, and that means your will is perfect. Uh, And even in tough times now that many are facing, uh, remind us of that hope we have in you through Jesus Christ the Savior. Uh, Remind us, Lord, that you have a plan for us even when it looks like things that are going bad will never turn around. We always have hope in you. So help us to rely on you. Help us to live according to your word uh, so that our lives may be aligned with your will. And may we take this lesson and, and use it in our lives, but also share it with others that there's a Savior who suffered on our behalf so that those who will come to him could have eternal life. So Lord, take this lesson and do, your, do what you want with it in our lives. And uh, may it conform us to your image. And may we live for you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.